Good. Okay, together we're joining Pulver Edu. That's Pulver Redu, however you want to say it. We are together learning and going ahead on a beautiful course, United Souls for a Divided or Divisive Generation. And um, as you know, I'm Ellie Goldsmith, and thank God we are already well on the, on the way in our course and excited to be here with our wonderful friend Jonathan. And hopefully, <laughs> with time, it will grow. But the main, most important thing is that we're doing this and we're, we're not compromising the course. Thank God that even our host is able to make it happen while she's on the way. And we appreciate that very much. That's a very important trait, as we mentioned, being proactive or being versatile. And for our generation, having the emotional intelligence to make the transitions that you need to make without getting overly, uh, you know, controlling about it or needing a certain flow but allowing us to go with the flow that's in front of us and not forcing the reality, but rather letting go and going with the reality. And that gives us much more energy and power. And the sooner we let go, the sooner we're in a position to be able to experience the divine flow that's available in every moment and gift of life. And that's part of this soul focus that we're trying to build here, because the soul understands these ideas. The soul is aware of the truth of creation on a constant basis and it's just a matter of us bringing it down to practical daily living into our mind into our heart into our daily experience with the people we love and the people we're with that's going to be the challenge that we have in this course because the soul already knows we're not worried about the soul we're worried about us as how we identify ourselves as human beings with with a physical reality and an emotional reality and hopefully, too, for many people nowadays, that's, it needs an extra special prayer, but a spiritual reality as well, that we have to be aware of all the levels of humanity and not ignore any of them. They're all relevant and they're all necessary, and balance is a very important part of this soulful experience, that balance gives us equilibrium to be able to process things in a healthy way and to continue on our journey and sometimes when we're experiencing extremes, which I don't know what your week's been like, but mine has had some extreme moments. So those moments are giving us the opportunity to then balance out again and once again going back into the flow that's around it. So it's an interesting paradox because there is a certain amount of letting go and there is a certain amount of being proactive and, and making choices and, and it, the, those two seemingly contradictory realities are actually one and that's a very deep a deep truth in the mystical books the idea that something is created from nothing and yet that nothing is the something a very deep concept something we can think about in our spare time and meditate on but to not get distracted now in our course we have to bring that paradox into our reality and it's an amazing thing that you'd be surprised how much we live in the realm of paradox that we're often not in a state where we are truly um, or seemingly balanced and, uh, and yet we're able to still function and go forward and we're able to ride those waves, those, those struggles, those challenges. And we were hoping that the corona challenge is on it, at its end, but it seems to still be uh, raising its head and still seems to be a reality. The crown or the corona is still there and we're going to have to keep going ahead and finding new ways to deal with whatever challenges come up. 
And that is once again the first point of being proactive and being soulful. We went over the concept of mission statement, having goals, values and dreams. And then we put into reality, and this is all on the private level, of being able to put it into being effective and focused in our time. So we have time management, we have goals and priorities, how to what to put as our first things first, not to get distracted by life. And that in itself is a massive achievement in our generation, just these three points of being proactive, having a mission and being effective with our time. If we can get those three things done in a successful way, then we're moving from the personal and private victory to the public victory, as Stephen Covey so cleverly wrote. And then we can go from being independent to interdependent. We can start joining with the larger whole. And that is the key for us to now go into this next part of the course, which we already started last week, of the public victory of win-win. And win-win is, once again, as we mentioned last time, the idea of joining together with the, with the other person, not just being caught up with your own agendas or your own needs, but to always be there for, to empower other people and to help them also succeed, that it shouldn't be an organization that's run or a family that functions based on, you know, how can I come out the best? How can I come out right? How can I be the winner? It's about the true winner is someone who's empowering others to win. Like everyone knows with team, team relationships are about the whole team winning, not just the individual shining. You know, the, the guy who wants to grab all the goals is actually weakening the team. So really it's about thinking about the other people around us. So that's one very important part of this course. It has to be interactive and that Jonathan is the one who's blessed this, this week to have that full interaction together because then we can win-win because then I know a little bit more who I'm talking to and what your, your goals and your dreams and your mission statement is and together we can collaborate and build a hopefully some, some steps forward and that was one of the encouraging points from last week's class that we got when we went to the fifth point of the course of listening to our own soul and then being able to listen to other souls learning the voice of the soul, learning the voice of other people's souls learning to really listen to other people that, that last week's course um, point is something which we just touched on because it's so challenging. To me, it's actually the hardest point in this course in, in my life. Um, I don't know if everyone agrees with that. I know that Stephen Covey came up with the idea of seek to understand before being understood. That was his way of phrasing it. That that concept, he said, is the hardest um, part of his habits, seven habits, but um, I know from the soulful level, which is what we're focusing on, the soul level, not just on the intellectual understanding, that there's a soulful experience of listening, that we discussed something that was very profound and it helped, hopefully, Jonathan create the basis of a, of a TED talk, because the idea of listening can really explain to other people in a profound way what someone else is going through. So your example last week of bringing up the uh, police officers, what they go through on a weekly or even daily level on being on service and having to go through so much trauma and pain on a daily level, on a public experience of what they have to do as a police officer. And with the toolbox they have being limited, because they haven't been trained in, 
with all the different person, people skills and they don't know exactly every, every peaceful way of resolving situations and they don't have necessarily the backing therapeutic wise or psychologically wise or even financially wise to be able to know how to, what, and what to do and have the peace of mind, the emotional bank account to be able to now invest themselves in this situation correctly and therefore they're in a constant state of trauma and the, the clever point you brought out was that they're constantly putting another clothing and another clothing on from trauma to trauma and more and more baggage and it gets heavier and heavier and we mentioned the story of the holy rabbi who was able to help so many people in such a profound way because he was able to each person and each encounter to be fully present that we we should talk about being mindfulness and being fully ava available for for the now that's available right right here to be here right now no, there's nothing else in the world other than this moment and therefore to listen to the person the soul that's in front of me to truly listen engage that person and as a police officer the ideal would be to be able to experience each encounter like that and have the tools to be able to take off the trauma and the pain of each of those encounters as they go through so you're not constantly building on the baggage and the clothing until you're this giant fat you know blob of clothing and trauma and pain rather you know like, you know the blob from that horror movie and if you remember that <laughs> and you're just absorbing everyone's pain you don't want to be like that you know? i hated that movie yeah. that was the scariest movie ever <laughs> <laughs> it's seeping through my door right now <laughs> but the good news is it isn't so just joking but the point is that thank god it's just a movie but we do it to ourselves on a certain level i think every movie if you have the wisdom to be able to step back and say this was a creation of of a human being or a friend or a person and they're just manifesting what their inner world the inner creative realm has experienced and it might come out in all kinds of imaginative ways but the point is underneath there's there's key psychological uh, motivators why they're creating a film to give over this message I mean hopefully it's not what's happened to the movie business right now where it's gone completely gender ridden almost and it's unfortunately the quality of the movies is very low because of that but if you go back to a more old school movie like I wouldn't say the blob but the more recent ones you'd be able to say that the quality of the filming and the, the focus on the human experience of the people involved in the movie is tremendously important, tremendously important and profound and a person can learn if he steps back from the action and the you know the the drama and the music that's going on created by the the movie but you actually start to think a little bit as your own thinking mind and don't just get absorbed into the entertainment you start to step back now how is this connecting to me this is an example like we can constantly do this in all kinds of scenarios not just for movies but learn how to sometimes step out of this situation even though we have to be present but learn how to sort of sort of look from a higher perspective and that's why the soul level is so important i remember when you know sorry to bring it up but when i used to do uh, drugs back in the day when i was a teenager i don't know if any of you guys had that experience but um i had that experience and i remember one of the profound moments for me was when i stepped out myself a little bit more and started to look at the media world that i was engaging with and i was like wow like this is so fake for example friends 
I was watching Friends, it was in the 90s, and it just suddenly, all the illusion, everything that I was watching there suddenly fell apart to just be so silly and time-consuming and just nonsensical and, and just profoundly fake, like on the deepest level of fake. That was my experience, thank God. You know, thank God it was a positive experience with the drugs at that, that age. I wouldn't recommend it now, and I haven't touched it since, you know, I was a teenager pretty much. But the point is that that moment gave me an understanding that we can create that perspective without the drugs. We can create that higher level viewpoint of our life through objectivity and through having profound conversations with people that we love by connecting to the soul level by speaking to people that are also more objective. There's an ability to step out of our situation and view life on a higher level. And I think that meditation and prayer, all these different tools can give us that ability. Now, how's this relevant to today's point? Is because in order to listen to the soul, we're gonna have to get more in touch with ourselves. And that means therefore reducing a lot of the sound, the noise and the distractions around us, which we hopefully we were doing anyway and the third point when we're being more effective with our time but we're also going to now be more soulful in how we understand our, our ability to experience life and listening and loving oneself and experiencing life are all one concept in my opinion on this point because be able to love oneself to be able to have space in yourself so that you understand that you're you're a special person and you have a mission and you appreciate your good qualities you're aware of your faults and you're able to therefore now, when you're with another person, diverse yourself, be able to diverge yourself from your own clothing as if, and be with that other person with their clothing. And I think that's a really important point that I know myself, like I'm all the time trying to work on this because I know that with my relationships that I need to become better at that. And it, it really will make a profound difference with my family and my friends and everything I'm trying to do. So there's there's no point me avoiding it or delaying. It's actually really urgent. It's not something which I can say, you know, when I'm older, um, when, when, you know, when, uh, you know, my life when I've reached a certain point of financial well-being, so that's my priority rather than this, or when I've reached a certain um, clarity of thought or when, uh, you know, all different excuses why to delay it. You know, when the world has better technology, like, you know, go to Joe Rogan's podcast and he's talking about with Elon Musk, Neuralinks, and when I can start to think other people's thoughts, you know, then I'll really listen, you know, because speaking is such a, a limited way of communication. Okay, these are ideas, you know, that mo maybe one day will be in reality. But right now, in this moment, you're given this person in front of you. There's going to be no other opportunity. I say, I, I, sometimes I don't cry about it, but I feel it in a deep way. When my kids are around me and I'm thinking, wow, right now I have this opportunity. I'm with my child. Can I engage with them? Like fully present. Am I engaging with them? Like who they really are? And am I engaging with my full self? Or am I completely distracted? And I, or even worse, I have agendas with them. I have my own narratives, my own scripts that I want to put onto them. And, and I'm missing that moment of, of life. I'm missing that opportunity. Like, as people say, 
after you know you've lived in this world and in the Jewish world we say after 120 you've had your full life and you're having we mentioned it last time people are not going to be worried about how much money and how much honor and prestige they're going to be worried about their relationships that's what they're going to be thinking about they're going to be thinking about did I really fulfill my purpose in this world did I really manifest love towards the people who are my legacy have I continued on that legacy these are the kind of things that people are going to think about in their eulogy that's going to be told is these are the kind of focus I had and, and I know myself like right now I would say I'm feeling the opposite of that on an honest level like I have you know thank God good moments right now I would say being honest to you Jonathan and, and whoever else would be listening please God I have the the reality that I'm not feeling that right now right now I just you know that this is a very normal feeling nowadays I want to escape you know, like Gedalia Fenster, one of my friends and, and very talented speakers and, and a guy worth checking out, he um, says that, you know, you'd rather stuff your face than face your stuff. That's a good line. Yeah. I'd rather stuff my face than face my stuff. That's a great line. Or well, there's so many lines he has like that. He has hundreds of these lines. He once told me he's going to simplify all these deep ideas that he uses in his rehabs and and all his different thousands of classes he teaches over the years, he, he's going to simplify them into one-liners. And this is one of them. So facing your stuff is much more important. We have the inclination, and I'm having it right now, to not face my stuff, to, I'm being transparent with you, to not want to have to face my child and their challenges. I'd much rather just, I don't know, have an easier time with my spouse, who's a bit more mature and more in touch with herself, go do something fun, have a holiday, you know, the summer days are coming up. I want to avoid those, those challenges. I, I don't want to face it. And then they're asking me. And part of me wants to be like, just control them, just do what I ask, easy way out. I'm not listening to them. I want to put my agenda onto them. And this can happen, I suppose, in the police force as well, with even the higher-ups. The higher-ups, I have it in my own work as well. You know, the higher-up wants to just, you just bring the money or the police person bring the success on the streets bring the great cases you know solve the cases you know don't bring me all the headaches but that's not the truth the headaches are the key to the success yeah facing your stuff is the key to your to your your relationships you know being able to work out relationships with your boss and with the people they're wanting you to interact with in a real way in a engaged way in a fully engaged way is going to be the key if you're like a non-profit for example to bring the charitable donations and the sponsorship and the partnership it's not going to happen from just sticking a hand out and saying give me money or you know or police officer sticking out his truncheon i don't know what they call it in america i'm sure there's a name for it please stick I mean, maybe you'll tell me jonathan but whatever it is that you're hitting the other person with or worse guns or tasers or you know um all the different tools that are used to get what you want done short term but that's not going to create long term a relationship with the community you're in you're going to have to work out a better way to resolve difficult situations than just the first instinct of of forcing people to do what you want forcing people to do what you want has never worked it won't work politically it won't work uh, economically it won't work relationship wise so therefore, having an understanding of the soul and knowing that you have a soul and knowing that you need to listen, you need to be engaged, suddenly creates a whole different paradigm. 
you're now overcoming your initial reaction as a human being who wants to escape and just wants control so you can therefore escape meaning like you control that person so they're no longer going to take up your time see the, the whole beauty of that story we told last week was that the rabbi was totally there for those other people for those meetings there was nothing else in the world even his own family nobody existed as much as he loves other people around him but that moment it was it was a uh, they call it a unification of souls between two people. It's a very deep idea, but we should have that in marriage. That's really what marriage is about. They don't talk about it in, you know, when you're getting married under the wedding canopy. They have these vows and things, but the real concept of marriage is unification, is a, a unite, uniting of souls, which is really what marriage. The idea of, a, of an engagement with a student or a family members, an opportunity for unification. Now, what some very revolutionary rabbis did in the 17th, 18th century was introduced to even the Jewish world, because they'd forgotten about this concept, reintroduced and brought it alive again for the world, because it's something which is now somewhat public, maybe not totally, but the idea that every person you can have a unification with. It's a very deep idea. And it was a very profound teaching. The name of the rabbi was the Baal Shem Tov Kodesh. Yeah, it was a holy person of Yisrael Baal Shem. He brought down this concept that the unification needs to take place with every single human being you engage with. Every single soul that you're blessed to experience. Now, once again, I'm coming back to myself. I, I believe that's the true teaching for the world right now that will get rid of this divisiveness to understand the united soul level, to understand unification. This is what this course, on, in essence, is about, and what, it, in essence, can change the whole world. But I have to also be realistic and practical. With, I can have this beautiful teaching and this beautiful ideal, but I have to now start practicing it with what's in front of me. And that's where the challenge begins. How do I bring this beautiful concept that I now know about I definitely need to learn more about it because it's a very deep concept and it needs a bit more explanation than just the words. We need to bring it out a bit more and more until we really understand it. But then the key will be to bring it into practicality, into all the situations we mentioned before, into our job situation, into our everyday meetings with people, into our family situation. That would, in my opinion, be the first place to really put your effort into it the most. Family first is the key, because I think that the ones closest to you are the ones that are the most challenging and the ones that reveal the most about you that need work, especially your soulmate. As Gedalia once said, you know, for men, he, he says this to men, don't go look for a trophy wife, rather look for a wife that brings you trophies. Yeah? That you become a winner from it. That you don't need to go show off this person, but this person who who believes in you and believe, builds you into a winner. That's the win-win aspect of the, of the souls. It's another great quote from him. So the idea is that that's the kind of relationships that we have to first build at home. And, you know, it would work the other way as well, obviously with women or whatever you call yourself gender-wise nowadays. The point is that you build relationships of soul. That, and that would obviously resolve a lot of the racial tension that's going on and will resolve a lot of the, the uh, political tension and also financial tension because 
every soul in this world is going to get what's coming to it in a positive sense, not in a negative sense. People that use that phrase as a, as a negative thing. I'm using it as positive karma or a divine flow abundance that's coming down. Everyone's going to get their income. There's no reason to fight with other people for your income. It's a mistake. It's the, comp the competition is with yourself, not with others. Yeah? Now, we're all human. We're going to see those statistics. Like, I'm sure the police force has its way of, you know, of, of uh, I don't remember the word, but I remember when I was in corporate, they have KIs, what's it called? K, there was some word they used to analyze everything in the company. Um, KBI, something like that. And they go through your, you know, all your figures of sales and, and positive feedback and, you know, all, all the, whatever job it is, whatever your accomplishments and KPI, that's it. And you get the KPI numbers and you evaluate, like everyone's being evaluated on some level, like your credit score or, you know, everyone has certain, you know, evaluation sticks. But when you get to the soul level, it's a different kind of evaluation. It's evaluation of, of, as we just said, competition with yourself rather than others. How much have I improved? How much have I learned to empower others, not beat them? Or how, how, how much of a leader have I become for others? It's, it's rather a self-engaging evaluation. And it's, it's, as they say, you have one eye. The Holy Rabbi of Simcha Bunim said this. You have one, the right eye to see the good in everyone else. What's the point of the left eye? To now analyze yourself. You never use the left eye, which represents more the side of judgment. Use it for others. Use it for yourself. That's all it's for. And that's why you were given two eyes. <laughs> one to see the good in others and the others to evaluate yourself. And it's a different kind of life now, because imagine, take those concepts. You want to unify with people. You want to see the good in people. You want to empower other people. And all the, the aspects of judgment and, and criticism, you only use for your own self-development, pretty much. Here and there, there'll be a moment where it's needed, because you can't be, as we say in Yiddish, be a shmata. You can't be, you know, something, a piece of cloth that everyone just stands on. Yeah, doormat. I think that would be this, the general universal terminology. You don't want to be a doormat. Yeah, we don't. I don't believe in turning the other cheek. I'm just, I mean, it's not my religion, but I don't believe in it anyway. I don't think that's correct. Yeah, if someone's hitting me, I'm going to defend myself. Yeah, um, but the point is that obviously everything with boundaries and balance. But the reality of being able to now have those concepts in your mind learning about these ideas, and now, once again, the value system is clear, and now how you interact with people is on a whole different level. Now your public experience is on a whole different level. As I said, I wasn't feeling like this before I started the course, but one of the good things is, very important to know this, and take this with you, and Gedalia actually brought it up again himself today as well in his latest class. I just was listening to it, I think, this morning or yesterday, the idea of life is renewal. That life is not being stuck in old stories. As we mentioned before, you're constantly being created. Reality is constantly coming down, a new reality. If you're living with that kind of fresh, vitalized energy, then whatever limitations that were going on before don't have to exist now. Because you're a new reality now that never was. And you're experiencing life of a whole fresh level. 
So now you can engage in whatever is in front of you with a renewed outlook. And you don't have to continue with that feeling. I had that feeling before. But if I would live up to my own ideas and my own teachings, then I'm starting fresh now that I'm in the course. And whatever I failed at before can be fixed. That's one of the optimistic views. Say you have a marriage that fell apart. Well, thank God there's other opportunities, one, to find a new soulmate and to learn everything from the failed marriage that went wrong and now to be even more proactive, not reactive, proactive with the new relationship. And you have new tools you never did and you can even forgive the previous person and move on completely from the stories and the limitations that were created there. This is the kind of life a person can live. And then, and then you, as we mentioned with the, the idea of the TED Talk, with all the clothings, you're not walking through life with all your own baggages. You're not still stuck on the previous marriage. You're not still stuck on the previous job. You're not stuck in the previous hour, even. That's how good you can get. If you practice this teaching, it can even come to the moment. Yeah? We're talking about life experiences, which is generally how people look at life. But if you understand how intense and true life really is, and how fulfilling it is, that every single moment you can renew yourself afresh. And therefore you're living moment to moment in the truest sense. So now, when we go to the concepts of listening to another person, and I'll just read out some of the points, and then we'll have a little break. The order is very significant. The, 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 the amazing level of loving others first comes with loving oneself. And oneself is one's soul. We have to value ourselves, and the whole world is created for me. We mentioned this last time. Know our triggers. Very good. My, my wife, my soulmate, put this in this point. Know our triggers and personal boundaries. So you turn up to our loved ones, recharge somewhat. You hear that? That's brilliant. That, that, see, she, my wife's much more realistic than I am. She knows... I have triggers, she knows that my children have triggers, she knows that people around me have triggers. So she's learned how to be sensitive to triggers, to not, to not try and trigger other people, not to stimulate those triggers. And she knows when she's been triggered, or she's about to be triggered, and she prepares for it. So a lot of self-awareness going on here. And I learned that a lot from my wife, because I'm generally a bit more, um, I don't know, just clueless of this kind of stuff, like this emotion, a lot of self-awareness, emotional awareness. And thank God I have a soulmate who balances me in that way and teaches me this kind of stuff. This will help us focus and listen be better as we won't be so blocked or distracted. Ideally, every moment of focus with loved ones is a huge opportunity of connection. Really listen, not just with your own scripting. Listen to your own soul and that will teach you how to listen to others. That's pretty much the main points of today's class. I would like to go to the sixth point, but before we do, we have to discuss this because it is hugely challenging, definitely for me, and I assume for Jonathan, and I assume for most people. So what do you say, Jonathan? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, <clears throat> when, when responding versus reacting is um, something that really helped me with this um and it was taught by texting right like you get a text message especially if it's you know in a heated situation or we think that we have to respond to everything 
you know, right away. But what we're actually doing is we're just reacting. And if we were responding, we're taking the time to think it through and then respond, right? So the difference between, you know, your kids acting out and you reacting to their behavior or responding to their behavior, knowing that they were triggered. And I agree, it's hard. And you have to learn yours before you can learn someone else's. Um, but we all try to fix everybody else first, right? Which you don't <laughs> understand. No, I mean, you have your mission to, to help the police force. You know, I have my mission to, um, to help bring more unity ideas to the world and, and the teachings of truth and, and thank God to create collaborations and bookings and events and tours. And, you know, I have my larger mission to bring more unity to the world through music and, and teachings and truth. And I have, everyone has their thing. I would like to write books. Uh, there's a lot of goals I have, and these are all valuable and valid and very, very important because I don't think there's anyone out there who is a big thinker or a big influencer or a big spiritual guide or whatever they're called nowadays that, that doesn't stop themselves and say, wait a minute, I just gave the most amazing TED talk, but look how I was today with my family. Like it wasn't really at that level. I wasn't in my zone when I was at home. I was in my zone on the stage, which you know, is quite a human reality. So the, yeah. the, the key is what we need to do is once again, to remind ourselves that that every moment is fresh and whatever was before we can work on fixing those relationships and moving forward together and to realize that we're not stuck in whatever way we script our life, that it can be, it's malleable. It's the, the, there's another teacher that I get a lot from a guy called Charlie Harari. And he talks a lot, the idea of plasticity, the idea that your mind, mental plasticity is a uh, neuroplasticity. I don't know so much the science behind it, but I've definitely been hearing the concept a lot. And the idea is that we need to realize that it's much more versatile and flexible how we, how we develop mindset and grow than we give ourselves credit for. Just like our body, we have to keep doing stretches and keep flexible and develop like so too on the emotional level and so too on the mental level and not allow ourselves to get sort of stuck into certain ways like it'll stiff uh, you know, that would be a big cure to, you know, if everyone's looking for the cure for uh, aging. I think that by living the, these, this concept of renewal, that in itself is a tremendous power, that our mind is constantly f fresh for a new idea, for a new concept, for a new challenge. Our emotions, we're working on constantly keeping them in a healthy state, emotionally intelligent, and with, with certain levels of joy and folk. And so too, physically, we have to keep ourselves in a healthy lifestyle, so these are the kinds of things that will prevent a lot of aging and, and aging in anything, aging physically, but aging in our work experience. We can't allow us to get stuck in limitations. Like the world's not going to let it, you know, it, it just if you look at reality in the last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, like in my own life, or even before that, there's been so much technological development beyond that we can't be old. We can't be, we can't afford it. It won't work to be an employee or to be someone entrepreneurial out in the world. I remember I used to turn up to meet Jeff with one of these old mobile phones, you know, like the blocks, you know, and Jeff would be sitting there. I don't know what it was at that time. It was a while back, but it definitely, I don't know if it was an iPhone, but it was definitely a better phone than what I had. You know, it had, 
it was it had apps and it had Facebook and it had everything going on. And I was like, I'm working for a company doing social media. And he'd look at me and my phone. <laughs> and I was like, then yeah, but you know, I just work in, in the office on the computer. That's enough for me already. And Jeff was didn't say anything, but I knew and now after the fact, even though it was praiseworthy that I was trying to hold on to a more like pure lifestyle of staying away from technology. But if I want to work on social media, I'm going to have to get with the phones and the apps. It's just not, you just can't keep up with where it's at now. Like, you know, it doesn't mean you have to have every single app there is, but you do need to be able to function nowadays. And that's something that's really, really important um, to learn the new tools of the trade. And that is just an example of how we have to refresh ourselves constantly in our relationships and how we work with technology. Everything needs to be fresh. You know, I wanted to, to say something else. I, I don't know if it's going to be the right thing to bring up here. You know, there's, there's always so many things you can discuss. But um, let, let me ask you, Jonathan, rather than me go into something which I'm not sure about, would you have something, you have something to mention? Like a question or in terms of listening and really engaging with people, how to understand? Yeah, you know, I think, it, I think it's the concept of, you know, multitasking versus being present. I don't believe you can multitask. And if you, but that's kind of what society expects us to do, right? That's that short-term microwave concept as opposed to the long-term being present. And if you're doing something, if you're working and your children walk in, there's, or your wife walks in, there's nothing wrong with turning to them and saying, let me finish this and then I'll give you my undivided attention, right? Um, so I really don't believe in multitasking. Um, you can have a list or you can have, you know, priorities or things that you need to accomplish, but you need to be present with what you're trying to do. Um, and I think, you know, that would help out a lot of people. Um, so when they transition from work to home life, right, they can be present with their wife, their child, um, or with themselves if they want to go for a walk or go work out, right? Focus on what is literally in front of you. That's helped me a lot. Um, you know, st this, this hour is for this. So I have blocked out my time for this. Nothing else matters. And, yeah, that, that's the power of doing a course that I think that people don't understand nowadays because they, they'll say like, I'll just watch on YouTube or Facebook. I'll go, you know, look, go wherever, everything's available, you know, I can go listen to Tony Robbins, you know, even though it's a past thing and he's not talking to me right now, but I'll go listen to him or I'll go on a podcast, you know, uh, binge or whatever. And there's so much out there, thank God, and it's amazing content. But the point is that it's a whole yeah. different level face to face. And that's another thing that I would say I'm having an extreme challenge with. I don't know what it's been like for you this year and a half. Um, it looks like it's continuing, at least on some level. <clears throat> but the fact that I don't get to be in person with people has been really hard. Um, to be able to apply this listening tool, that it being pushed more onto the technological world, to even to be fully present. Like even in our Zulas, like I have a job, and the Zula coincides with my job. And thank God, my job is quite flexible. But I'm able to sort of maintain some some of the activities I do during Zula, but it's still on some level is probably limiting my impact, my presence. You know, another 
story was I'd, I want to create tours, in-person tours. So we're about to go on one in the summer. And then the boss was like, no, we have things going on here that would be really hard for us to miss. And there was a lot of tension suddenly because like we had people willing to pay and it was all meant to be taking place. We had the schedule, the itinerary, everything was looking amazing. Um, and then suddenly I'm like, wait a minute, it looks like I might have to cancel this. If the, the main people themselves and it, there was people phoning me and it was becoming a big mess. Now, at that moment, I had the opportunity to react, as we said before, to, to not respond, but to react and to start going you know, getting all emotional and hyped up and trying to force my opinion of why we need to go now, you know, and because I was representing other people that also want us. Now I've learned to let go. So I didn't. I said, let's speak after the weekend, after the, the you know, disconnect to reconnect the Sabbath, just a day of peace. And hopefully in the new week, we'll figure it out. So Sunday comes and the main, main person, I, I had the opportunity to be in person with them and speak with them directly. And they explained their reason. And that was it. And then everyone else who wanted the trip, sort of like, like dominoes, all like, was like, okay, we'll just reschedule it for October, no problem. Yeah, for the fall. So we're going to go in the fall. Yeah. But it was, if I would have, I could have spent the whole weekend or leading up to it, fighting with these people and pushing my opinion, and I might, probably would have lost anyway. Yeah. And another thing, even if we would have tried to go, and even if I would have persuaded the main guy, and we get to the airport and they say, you don't have the right paperwork for this trip right now, you know, corona, uh, bureaucracy, whatever. And suddenly, like, you know, all those weeks leading up, all the pressure and the controlling and the forcing, and, and then it affects all my relationships. And, you know, it, it's like a different life when you let go and you just go with the flow. And all the weeks and all the time and all that tension didn't need to happen. And then I, once again, I come back to that concept that if I'm meant to have divine abundance, it will come in the right way, in the right time with the right people. I don't need to force it. And yeah, I agree with you. And when, you know, you're t you mentioned triggers and when, when something, when I start getting angst inside, it's a trigger for me to like, okay, you need to respond, not react. And knowing that whatever that response is, there could be something bigger and better on the other side. There always you is. Can see right in front of you. Yeah. And it usually is, right, exactly. No, but that, having, there is. But, but, there, there will be. It's almost 100%. Right. Like, cause, but uh, it's also being able to be aware of that and, and work through it, right? It's not going to go away. You have to understand how to process that, right, by, like you said, Let's take a timeout. Let's go. It's funny. I put myself in timeout yeah. uh, with my kids. I don't put my kids in timeout. Amazing. Um, and they think I'm just silly, but it gives me a time to disconnect, right? Because in the end, I'm the one that needs to be the adult. I'm the one that needs to respond and handle it in a more mature way. They're learning, right? I mean, They're that is the concept of disconnect to reconnect, yeah? Exactly. And I love that. I think, but that's so hard to do, right? Because most people, when they disconnect, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to reconnect, right? Um, because they fear of judgment, like you said. Um, they're looking at their left eye at everybody else, not at themselves. And so when you disconnect, it's a chance for you to look at you. Exactly. Very good. That's what I heard. That, that, that goes together with the thing we said before. That's really good. So it, that, all these concepts support each other. That's the reality. And that's, that's the key to build that kind of support. 
supportive network for ourselves. That's that was the next point I was going to get to. That because we're not having so many in-person experiences, we're going to have to build a lot of emotional, intellectual, and spiritual support for ourselves. Even physically, we're going to have to reevaluate. You know what's necessary. You know, become a bit more minimalist on some level because we can't have maybe the same lifestyle we used to have of like bigger holidays and whatever it was that we had. Um, just because the world's shifting a little bit, you know, and I think it's healthy yeah. anyway to minimalize some of the, our connection to materialism a little bit. But at the same point, like the concept of <clears throat> being able to have that self-knowledge and then be able to engage the other person fully and to understand, this is a very beautiful concept, but to realize the greatness of the other person as well and how much you can learn from the other person to come to the situation not thinking you've got what to give but what can i learn now if they learn from you that's great but you're you're not trying to put on a show for people you're coming there with an open heart that i want to learn something you know like i had a meeting about these trips with someone in the end I learned things from the meeting. Not everything was amazing that I learned, but I learned things. And about that person, about the place, you know, maybe not all of it's 100% how I'd like to view things. I'm not going to absorb, I'm not going to just be a sponge absorbing everyone else's ways of looking. I'm going to, you know, everything that I experience in life, I try filter, unless it's something very pure, you know, and it's a very pure experience. Then I want to then allow myself to trust that person or that moment that something pure is happening. But if it's not a pure thing, and there has to be some sifting going on. Like I, with it online, for sure, you have to constantly sift how you use all your platforms, your email, all the different social networks. You have to sift all the time. There's so much garbage, and there's so much garbage trying to get your attention. You have to sift and put up filters, either literally or emotionally or intellectually. How are you going to do it? And then at the same time, with, even with people, like, you can't absorb their, once again, this is something that will help the police force, that you don't want to absorb their trauma. You have to filter it. You have to filter it. You have to filter what your part with them is. And it might be, once again, like we spoke last week, very deep, profound concept, but it might be just one small moment, one small point that you connected on. It's worth the whole encounter. Yeah? Yeah. To understand, like, clever policemen know, they say they're, uh, I'm not a detective, but I imagine you're trying to f figure out a case. You're going to go uh, to a lot of places and meet a lot of people, and you're not looking for the, oh, the, the solution. You're looking for little points of truth that lead you to the final clarity of the case. And that's the key. It's yeah, right? Yeah, people, people are nowadays are trained to just give me the whole thing in one second and I'll be fine. It doesn't, it doesn't really work in reality. It's a process and that life is a yeah. process. And so too with police yeah. work, it has to be a process. You can't get that person to do what you want. You're going to have to, through a process, teach them or demonstrate or give over the rules that are there to get them to understand it themselves. Like my son wants to go on a trip tomorrow, but he doesn't want to go. I want him to go. I've given him the money to be able to, in order to go. I've empowered him to be able to do it. He comes to me, should I go? I think you should, but in the end, he said, but I don't, I don't want to listen to you. Like, I want it, he keeps saying to me, it has to, you know, he's not saying these words, but he's saying it. It has to come from me. Like, I want to make the decision, not you 
giving me the decision, yeah, or telling me my my decision. I have to come to it myself, and that's often with children. Now, in itself, is a deep secret for our generation that they don't want to do what you tell them. You have to teach them in such a way that they think they're doing what you, what what they want, but it's actually you've somehow like subtly implanted the truth in them of what they need to do, or you've demonstrated yeah. it. Yeah. But it has to. Because in the end, they're their own souls, right? Yeah, and it has to come from their choice. Like I chose a more spiritual path. If my kids choose differently, I have to respect that. It's hard, you know, because the world right now, you know, I didn't grow up with internet, so now you can a kid can waste a lot more time, you know, than I had when I was a kid. I would play with Lego. My mind was still developing, you know. Um, a kid now watching. YouTube video after YouTube video, it's not what's it going to develop so much, you know, unless they're thinking themselves. So it's something which you have to teach them how to sift, how to filter, how to sift. You have to teach them how to become their own, their own agent of good and not your agent. And that's... Well, and that, that brings back the comment you made about the trophy wife, right? And it's finding someone that's going to add value to you. Yeah. Right. To your experience. Right. And you, you in return will do the same thing for them. Sure. And that's ultimately, I, I love that. Right. Because it's adding value to the people around you. And how do we do that? Right. We connect, like you said, on a soul level and staying present allows you to experience life in the abundance and beauty that it is. And if you, if you don't do that, you're going to miss a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, I think about intimacy. Let's take intimacy. I have a course on a relationship flow, it's called. I have a podcast called Relationship Flow, and I'm talking about intimacy right now. And one of the, the, the points in the intimacy series that I'm focusing on is you have to be fully supportive, emotionally, spiritually, financially. Like, it, there's so many levels of support that are needed to get to that moment of intimacy to be fully present, to be fully there, to have the full vulnerability and trust created. And this is like an example of, like, in a soulmate level, the, the profundity of listening and really learning what the other person wants. So the problem is, if you're a man, you have needs, yeah? Physical needs, and that voice can be much stronger than anything. And the world will empower that voice, yeah? But it doesn't serve the relationship at all almost yeah you know maybe it will help you perform physically maybe but in the end if it's not the physical experience the other person wants because you're emotionally not connected spiritually you're not connected your souls aren't connected at that moment it's just about what you're needing so then you're missing the whole like 99 percent of what's going on and you're just getting one percent of that moment and that's a very low level experience of life this is what people in the world need to realize that they're, they're like they talk about how the brain, they only know like a small percent of what's going on in the brain, you know, or there's so many levels of, of humanity that people are aware, aware of very minute amount. Now, understand that we have the power from the soul to, uh, to know our, ourselves completely. And to fully use the full potential of our being on all levels, yeah, on all levels, on our physical level, on our emotional level, on our 
mental level, we've totally underestimated our abilities. And that's going to be the same with our relationships. We've underestimated how much by engaging in our relationships we'll get so much more with our other partner. So how does one trust their soul? I th that's a good question. I think trusting the soul is learning, the, learning a lot of principles of truth will help understand that that's, it's in, on par with what the soul's communicating and to understand that it will only bring, the soul level will only bring truth and positivity to you if you really understand it on an objective level. You have to, it takes a certain level of objectivity. So this is the problem that we are subjective. And that's why I said before, a few, a few points back, that you have to speak to other people who are more objective to you. That takes finding objective people in your life or finding objective moments in your life, maybe meditating when you're, you're not getting anything for this. It's a very objective moment where you can just evaluate yourself. There's no, no one else is, you know, no one's going to hear about it. It's no one else's business between you and yourself and, you know, if you believe in God, your soul level, there's certain moments of time of objectivity and that gives you tools to constantly assess, am I living up to my soul level? Am I understanding the soul correctly? Am I communicating correctly? Now, being that we're coming near the end and I wanted to just jump on the sixth point and it flows perfectly from the last five points that we've been going through in this course, United Souls course, the sixth point is, how do we join with others in our life in a healthy way? So as you can hear, it's like a sort of perfect continuation. The way Stephen Covey calls it is synergization. I don't know if he made that word up, but it's a good word. The idea of synergizing, one plus one equals five, equals ten, equals a thousand, because it's multiples. Once you join with another person, you are ten x in your effectiveness. Try and run a house by yourself. Try and run a house with a soulmate. Try and run a business by yourself. Try and run it with a team. Try and run a police force by yourself. So no such thing. It doesn't happen. Yeah, it's a t it, it's synergization. You need the group experience. You need to be completely joined up with other people. But you can't do that until you've first done point four and five of win-win and learning to really listen to the others. And this is where a lot of businesses are struggling. I like personally, I work for a place with that struggle where some of the management don't understand the the concept of win-win and listening, and therefore the synergization is limited on a big on a, in a real way, and people unfortunately leave the organisation, etc., etc. What I choose to do is to tune in to the parts that I can be helpful, I can synergize. And what level of the relationship with the boss and the company can I synergize and collaborate? Now, if someone came along and offered me a, a work experience where there's full synergization, I would probably jump for it, yeah? Because that's, that's the, for me, my ideal. But I'm also a realist where I accept that not all the time are you going to be blessed with that ideal work experience of synergization. And therefore, you have to choose how and when to synergize where to be a win-win, where to really listen and, and where to just block the noise off. And that, that's being real with reality of life that you can't always synergize with the people you're with. But either way, you need to discuss being healthy with others in everyday life. 
and awareness of soul brings this synergization into reality because if we're all one soul ultimately then we can ultimately all synergize so if you're able to overcome whatever block is in front of you with that person or that company or that experience and go to that source level now that's a deep idea but the source level as we said before the Baal Shem Tov the idea of unification with every single person in your life with every single thing even that's how far he went everything to unify with everything is a very deep level, high level, but it's going to the root level and bringing it down into everyday life. And that's living with a very exalted way of viewpoint, a very high level way of viewing the world, and bringing it down into the most simple things, most everyday actions. And that's really, in the ultimate sense, the purpose of creation, which as far as I understand, I mean, there's many ways of explaining the purpose of creation, the purpose of humanity, but from this class, this course, the focus would be a unification from the highest all the way to the lowest and every aspect of your life. The soul level should, should expand outwards. It shouldn't be something like, I remember when I was reading even books that, you know, like a bit more, you know, like self-help books, the idea of an aura, a light around a person. We all understand that on some level that that exists. Now, the way it's explained in the deep mystical text is that's your next level of potential. So really in life, you're not just growing physically bigger and older, but you're growing into a new level of you, another level of light, another level of light, an expanded version of yourself that's more aware and more in touch. And you're constantly growing into higher, higher, bigger levels till it encompasses your whole life experience. That's the kind of spiritual united souls that we should aim for. And we should try bring in in little levels, little little drips in our daily life now, because we have to have the ideal to know how to impact the daily. And what it does is, example, say you have the race, critical race theory. Well, if you have the United Souls concepts as the goal, then the critical race theory becomes a very small blip in history. It's not something that should take over the corporate structure or politics or anything. And, and therefore humanity doesn't have to go through this whole painful, traumatic thing that's now being forced on people in America and the rest of the world. Humanity can now adjust and say, wait a minute, I know deep down I'm a soul and I know that other person's a soul. So how can we work this out? How can we apply all these concepts? of win-win and listening and truly listening and how can I really get to know the other person and their culture rather than God forbid fighting over the diversity and having to do repentance over the diversity love have unity in the diversity love the diversity become one with the diversity appreciate the diversity unify the diversity and see the beauty of diversity there's a different world it's a different discussion that should be going on out there and uh, you know, yeah. but it starts off with us doing discussing it here on a small level, and it starts us developing this on a practical level for ourselves and for the f small sphere of influence, and to believe that ultimately, if everything is one soul, even the people that are mistaken right now, and they're going on a path that seems to go against the soul level, and they're emphasizing way too much. Um, things that don't need to be emphasized so much, 
So they and themselves, at some point, if they're not meritorious, but their children, at some point it will get corrected. Because if you're an idealist and you believe in the soul level, which I am, then you know that the soul level ultimately will win because the soul is eternal. And these politicians yeah. or whoever are not. So the soul lives on no matter what. And the success, how we evaluate success, is not going to be on a global level like they try to. They're always trying to fix the world on this massive, you know, environmental global level. You fix the world on a personal level and on a realistic gauge of your sphere of influence. And as that grows, as you grow, but it's not now sphere of influence is everybody and everyone do what I say. That's the opposite. You're a mess. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say any names, but it's very obvious just without getting political, but it's very obvious. These people screaming and crying about financial, you know, lack of, you know, I don't even want to say the words, but the lack of this and the lack of that, they're screaming and crying and they themselves are living it up and doing no charity or almost none. And they're like very happy to make money out of their brands. And it's completely hypocritical and, and corrupt. Their whole like how they're going to save yeah. the world. Whereas a person who's sincere to these true principles of humanity that are universal by everyone, then they're going to realize that the first place to build is myself. I have to build the temple within and then I can share that light outwards to those around me. And then once again, to really listen to another person will take that humility to see one, the greatness of who I'm in front of and two, to bring it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And even if I'm not sitting, if I'm walking or I'm on the phone, every interaction now we can try it, try it's harder, but bringing the soul level into technology. Since the fact, as I said, I'm feeling extreme right now that I can't be with people. I can't go on this tour that I wanted to. I couldn't see my parents last two weeks ago. I can't just go to England. I have, still haven't seen my family there and friends. Can't just do this and do that. So I'm going to have to work it out, at least on some level, on the soul level, on the inter internet level. You know, the, so, try bring the soul level into the internet, at least on some, some way. You know, we're doing this anyway. This course has happened. It's manifested thanks to you and and Edu and please God, a growing listenership and it will get, it will grow. You know, we have to be optimistic that, you know, by doing it, it's already existing in reality and people are hearing those vibrations. Anyway, the point I just end off that the synergization would be our next challenge. How do we synergize? How do we join with others? And I think that's really important. Next week, we're going to discuss how to do it and really understand how empowering it is will become interdependent, meaning we'll not, not just be independent, we'll be interdependent. We'll realize how much we need everyone around us in our life, but in a healthy way that's realistic with the reality. It'll be hopefully very helpful. And we're also then going to do review and learn the idea of review, how to review, how to internalize so that we can actually take these six points we just discussed and bring them into our daily life practically. We'll bring lots and lots of real life ways to do that and I think that that will help us in, the, in another two weeks from now to bring everything we've discussed into our daily life and that's bringing united souls into a, a divisive world please go that's it awesome. 
Welcome to Ellie Goldsmith's Unity Flow podcast. We are excited to give an update of the last month and month ahead. Please God, it's been a busy time and uh, the summer looks like it's going to be equally busy or maybe more. I really hope that it will all come out smoothly and positive. Um, personally, it's been a rough week and a rough time period. A lot of uh, challenges in all different ways. Uh, not everything I can talk about publicly, but just to say that, you know, Keeping a positive mindset is always a big challenge, something I'm always trying to do over here, especially in our Unity Flow um, talks, because we want to keep that United Souls mindset, the, the truth how everything is really united in an absolute oneness and flow. But part of the true flow is facing up to stuff, facing your stuff rather than stuffing your face. <laughs> Good quote from Gedalia Fenster. But the point is that we, by facing our stuff, and I got encouragement to do this from YY Jacobson as well in his recent classes on resilience and the current anxiety challenges that people are going through, especially with everything that happened in Miami and Surfside. And we dedicate this podcast today to their comfort and hopeful miracles that the people who are trapped will survive and the ones who don't, the families will have strength and comfort and the ones who've passed already, that we've already discovered them, and it should just be comfort to the families and to the souls, and to remind everyone that we are souls, and we have a soul level, and united souls means that as hard as this world is um, in this respect, in terms of tragedies, and we have the opportunity to remind ourselves our eternal part of our being, and how all our loved ones and family continue on with us, no matter where we are physically, emotionally, spiritually, they're always one with us, we're all united souls and that's a big part of what we're doing in this Flow podcast, we've been doing our course and you can go back one class here and listen to the most recent episode of the course, the goal is to have you sign up and the next course will be July the 20th, we need to have it interactive and that is with Pulver EDU, thanks to Jeff Pulver and Lauren Pulver, we've already done many episodes and thank God for the people who've signed up to keep it interactive and it's generated a lot of good content and energy for everyone involved and hopefully it will grow to the point where we really will see the United Souls level manifest because there'll be so many souls involved, we'll see how we're joining together and it will make a revolution in the world in terms of how people think about life and think about their own um, focus of how they do media, how they do work, how they have family, everything should become more elevated and more spiritual, more one and united. So that's the course, check it out, we'll put the link below. Um, the other announcement is that, um, thank God, we have the tours coming up. We are praying very strong that the coronavirus challenge that continues with this new form, Delta, should not disrupt this tour. But the hope is that Nissan Black will be in America starting from the 20th of July. And personally, I've Unity Bookings has booked him a great show in New York, uh, sorry, Deal, New Jersey. Uh, Dill, New Jersey is the Pantry Packers are hosting. They're part of Kolel Chabad, an amazing organization that's been going on for hundreds of years. And they are doing their yearly fundraiser with Nissan Black leading the show. A great opportunity. Anyone wants to check it out can get in touch with me. 
DM and any bookings. There's still some spaces open um, in the week following and in August as well. So the end of July and the week uh, beginning of August, there's still some openings for some bookings. But basically after that, um, Nisim has a Shabbaton with Camp Lavi and there's also going to be a massive show, which we're very, very excited about in New Jersey also. A different part of New Jersey, in Factory 220. 20... Zero, I think, I don't know, 220, uh, 220, let's call it that. Factory 220, um, people like Naz and big big acts have been there for their parties, for their weddings, bar mitzvahs. I don't know if Naz had a wedding bar mitzvah there, but it definitely was a lot of events going on over the years in this beautiful event hall and, and space. It's a massive space, and the host has kindly offered Nisim as a headliner act to really bring a lot of energy and do a full hour and a half performance. It'll be the first one since uh, before Corona uh, began in before, you know, Purim last year, 2020, uh, March, I think was when we had to start making cancellations with these kind of larger shows. And thank God that we hope it will be highly attended and obviously everything will be recorded and there'll be opportunities to see clips of it but the best part is to be in person and to experience the concert the way it's supposed to and there's a meet and greet opportunity to actually connect with this in black in person at a stage and at a backstage matzah you know an opportunity to really get that inspirational flow of in-person contact at such a special time and be supporting a great music artist and our unity team and everything we're doing over here thank god we're getting out a lot of good energy there's a lot of opportunities coming up at the end of august and then we hope 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 we don't know but we pray there'll be some ability to get to uman this year for people so we can do some unity events over there and connect with ravorish and then we hope after the Chagim, this is the big announcement that we've been working on and still working on, is and we've rescheduled from the summer to now October the 14th till October the 25th. We hope to be in the U.S. And that in the Jewish calendar, I made a correction, is the 8th of Cheshvan till the 19th of Cheshvan, which is during the Pasha's Lech Lecha Vayera, the Pasha's Amravinu, his special light. The, the light of and Saramenu, his wife as well, together they go and they bring souls back to Hashem, back to their purpose, back to their mission, and that's what hopefully Rav Shalom Arish and his Rabbani will be doing together with myself and uh, one of their sons will be coming to the U.S. as those two Pashas manifest of, of Avram and and the light of Lech Lech, of going to yourself and Vayera and how Hashem is revealing himself to us so that we can get that relationship clear in our heads during such a difficult year that just gone, we've gone through tragedy after tragedy. We definitely need that kind of inspiration in person. And that's why we hope in the new blessed year that we'll have the opportunity to do these amazing uh, tours and be able to be in person and connect. Once again, if we are not able to because of any um, blocks, because of corona rules and you know, right now they're discussing these kind of things in Israel, again, unfortunately, which, um, you know, is very uh, worrying. But the the main reminder is, one, everything that happens is for the good. And two, whatever, you know, needs to be sorted out financially will be done in a proper way, if there are any cancellations, etc., as we always do. And three, there's an opportunity to, please God, do things online. And four, we're united souls. You know, we are one. We are connected and we're going through this all together, no matter whether we get to be in person or not. Now, my sincere prayer is we get to be in person. That's my hope and prayer. 
and also for family you know i i didn't get into it and i'm not getting into it but i do talk about it in my relationship flow podcast about being there for someone just being there and just being there is really important um i felt like today like it was just too many different things been going on this week just so many obstacles um with you know different uh stories here in new shalim of just struggle dealing with the society and the the rule system here and the the way that you know the balagan and the the stress and the the lack of you know respect and avas as well it can be sometimes really overwhelming and it's the opposite of what i'm trying to do with the united souls so i am putting out there a thought from my wife and my family to maybe move you know i, I love you shalim rakodesh i want to live here I'd maybe ask until the end of my life with Mashiach Sukeno and the base of English and all the good things. But might be we need just a little time period again like we had back in the day when we went to Beit Shemesh or when we went to Beit Har to just do other different things with different communities. Um, you know, I have a lot of projects I'm involved with, Unity Projects, Unity Inspires Projects, and I can offer those services wherever I go. And thank God everything is online with Ravarish and this in black, so I don't actually have to be there in person for most of the stuff other than the weekly Sunday class, which, you know, thank God has been an amazing opportunity, but I don't know if it's enough to keep me uh, staying here unless I can travel in, depending on where I end up. You know, so we're open to move somewhere in Israel. If that's a community that's interested or people that would be interested to host our family so we could do projects there together and it can meet my family and connect my wife and kids. There is a lot of opportunity still here in Yushalayim. You know, I'm meeting one of my old friends from Osamer today, one of my oldest friends actually, and he's a banker. And I'm going to be meeting um, Moshe Gersh next week on Sunday. And there's a lot of these like potential things that go on all the time in Yushalayim which makes it the ideal place for me personally, networking. But in terms of just the intensity and the balagan and the fire that goes on here, sometimes with the, the lifestyle, it can be very difficult for my family and sometimes even affects me and my peace of mind. You know, as much as I'm now back to swimming on a weekly level, um, maybe twice a week, I, this week only once because of the fast day and something came up Monday morning early, something actually very traumatic, so I wasn't able to go that day. But um, there's opportunities to... Uh, you know, to get back into the healthy lifestyle as much as I can here in Jerusalem. One of the other solutions I thought of, and I spoke about this in my Relationship Flow podcast, the idea of being a supportive husband and supportive to your soulmate. Um, we got a hold of, thank God, of a car, and that's been amazing to be able to, you know, with, with Hashem's grace, you know, thank God we had money come in from this and from that, and, you know, we were able to do that. A lot of, you know, Yeshua's a lot of salvations from different people in our life. It doesn't come easy, but Baruch Hashem, it came and we were able to get a cheap car that can get my wife to, you know, to the beach and to the, and myself and my kids and we can get out a little bit of the energy. So that might be the solution for now um, if we're not able to find a community that fits what we want to do. Um, there is even open-mindedness to, at one point I was thinking of going to England, but, you know, with the coronavirus uh, story and, Everything that happened there, I don't think it's going to be foreseeable right now anytime soon. But there has been some interest from communities in the U.S. Now, I'm not a U.S. citizen, so in order for it to happen, it would have to be a real push from whoever wants me to come um, with my family and would have to probably rent out his because I wouldn't want to lose the opportunity of being able to be in Yushalayim, thank God, and return one day soon. Because, um, like I said, my heart's always here. Anyway, this is quite personal, but the point is that I'm putting it out there just as a like a way of 
signpost that if people who care about me and listen to me and connect with me are interested, you know, I'm open-minded to to connect in a larger way with people out there in person and maybe even move my family for a time period. But um, in the meanwhile, um, we're in Yushalayim. We have to thank Hashem where we are and really build from where we are. I've got this beautiful weekly Muna class with Rav Oresh and my own Muna class Sunday and Monday. Thank God it's a big blessing to have that. And also my week, uh, bi-weekly course, which will be resuming on July the 20th for Polva EDU. And we have all the Unity bookings. And Baruch Hashem, we live next to a holy Rebbe. He's like Tolna Rebbe and, and Rav Shalom Arush. And very close to the uh, Kosel, Hamaravi, and ho- holy places, even Shimon Asadik. I don't know if it's safe yet, but still a place that's very local. And thank God. And there's a lot of good things, potentially, that we could keep developing here. Um, once again, it's up to you guys to reach out for our Unity Inspires projects. You know, I put the message out there, the concepts of a rehab online together. I put out lots of different concepts on my Unity Inspires blog. And there's so many amazing ideas going into how we need to get education more focused and less, you know, God forbid, corrupted the way the world is going. But to clarify what the are souls and to give respect to that, that there needs to be values and, and truth-based uh, teachings and true educational approaches. There's so many different things we could do together in Unity Inspires projects. Um, we're keeping up this podcast. That's why I'm doing this now to update you all. And I hope that the next month um, coming up after Tisha B'Av, when hopefully there'll be a Nechama, a big comfort to everybody at the base of Migdish, and we'll be able to dance together in Yushalayim, the complete place, a place of unity and oneness. This will be the ideal that after that we'll be able to now go out and do the connection in person and uh, you know if people are here thank god then we don't need to travel but if people are not yet here then we're willing to go travel and do these tours in the summer july end of july and um, in october and uh, it's up to you guys to reach out i'm also open-minded to come visit england at some point uh, personally because i want to see my family still haven't managed to do that and it's very difficult, but um, please God, that will come together in the right time. And, uh, you know, there's always, you know, there's the world, thank God, is a big place, but we're all connected somehow. And remember, United Souls means that we have that intrinsic connection. And when it manifests, when it brings us in that in-person um, place, just remember, remind yourself that we're one with each other and give that respect and love that's, that that deserves. I'm wishing everybody a beautiful next few weeks that we're already in and it should all transform into good times we're talking about our moon as a future podcast check it out and get more of an insight to what this time is all about and how we're approaching it in a spiritual level but the the goal is in the unity flow projects just to flow be real and connect and uh, appreciate once again everyone who listens everyone should be blessed please go with a beautiful end of week uh, shabbat shalom a good shabbos and uh, the world should realize that by disconnecting and reconnecting to their soul level, it's, it's a whole different experience of life. Don't underestimate that, who, who we are and our souls, and come together. Please, God, soon. Amen. Thank you. Check out the links below.